Okay. Well, this is Joe Lewis, and we're here on Bonehead Weekly with Glenn Cochran from Fake Ship. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good, mate. How are you? I don't, I'm okay. Why do people fucking ask that asinine <laughs> <an> question? <laughs> no, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean, though? I, I, I'm sure you, you've, you've interviewed Rob Zombie. I mean, I, I, why do people, I, find, I don't ask it on panels when I do them at cons. I don't open up with, how are you doing today? Because we just spent five minutes behind closed doors talking about the shit they do and don't want to talk about. So It's like when you listen to callback radio and every single caller is like, how are you going? How are you? Like, oh, we know we've been listening for the last two hours. Here, then let me restart and maybe Joe, you can edit this out. Hey, welcome to Bonehead. Hey, Glenn, uh, are you belly button lint free today? I haven't checked. Go, go ahead. We'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that? It's, it's, don't ask questions. Glenn, I, you know, to go ahead and get started about one thing, and I know James. Chad, Chad wants to ask one question. We, but, yeah, we've, we've got to have a short discussion with Glenn, all three of us. But really quick, I want to say, it's like you and I are developing a bromance, and this is actually the first time we've talked back and forth that hasn't been typing. I know. <laughs> God bless you being a chubby chaser, my friend. <laughs> all right. Now, Chad, go ahead and get started. All right. So, so gentlemen, we have to talk to Glenn about a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've been listening to some. I've been listening to some of his podcasts, and uh, I've learned some startling information about Glenn. Uh oh. First, he really likes Blues Brothers two thousand. I will defend the soundtrack. <laughs> I will. I, I will defend the soundtrack. The soundtrack to Blues Brothers two thousand. You, you can't just it. say that without context. Give us the context, my friend. I'm a sucker for bad sequels, man. He is. Because he, uh, Joe, he, he, another one of his movies that he really likes is Exorcist 2. <laughs> what? Okay, The Exorcist 3, I will defend to the day I die. I always yep. say, because that's actual, the direct sequel. It's based on the book Legion by William Peter Blatty. It's William amazing. Peter Blatty wrote it and directed it. It's got that great performance by Brad Dourif. Wonderful movie that people, I think, have forgot about. I saw it in the theater as a kid, so that's how fucked up I am. But Exorcist 2? Mm -hmm. I, I want to I chime in here real quick and say, Joe, as the guy that defends Greece 2, should you be living in that glass house throwing those stones? No. That's and, good, too. That is good, too. Never mind. I, I tried. Like I tried to well. help. I tried. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. But no, I, there, there's, a, there's a flaw in his logic about how he's a sucker for sequels. Because he does not care for the Dark Knight. But I don't <laughs> care for superheroes. Oh, I didn't get that part. Okay. Oh, I can get that, actually. I understand that. <laughs> I love Plus, some the Dark of the Knight is a, it's a It's a disjointed movie. It's two stories they've melded together and not pulled off very well. They killed Two-Face off before he even really becomes Two-Face. That, honestly, that was my biggest problem with that movie was the yeah. fact that uh, Two-Face is one of my favorite villains of all time and they're building up and then he's in the movie for a grand total of what 10 minutes mm. so mm. yeah no, that killed me in the third film <laughs> so, so yeah, no. uh, it, go ahead, there's Tim. one more there's one more we got to talk about uh james you might want to hold on to your heartstrings for this one here we go uh poor glenn has never heard of manos hands of fate 
Oh, I hadn't either until James <laughs> Thomas introduced me. The to. hands of fate. They're Manos, the hands of fate. So, so Glenn, the background story is neither Joe nor I knew about Manos, hands of fate until in our early 20s when we met this schlub and he, he uh, uh, introduced us to us and we've never been the same. So. <laughs> Here's, Did you have here's to watch a, it with him in his apartment, though, Chad. I no, I watched it alone because I, you all wouldn't invite me to I remember, fancy I remember, parties. This is no shit. This is seriously. We were working together at another university. No shit. He invited me over to show it to me, and this was the menu he served me. I'm not making this up. Boiled, some sort of boiled baked fish. I it can't was remember. Baked. It was and, baked and cheese dip. He's famous <laughs> for his cheese dip. Two things never went together less. Did you eat it? Well, yeah, I'm a big fat. Then shut your pie hole. <laughs> now, since since you found out about this movie in your podcast, have you actually taken the time to go back and just you're curious? No, I don't blame you. You're, you're, you're making you're, you are making a wise decision. And you've been paying attention, dude. You've been paying attention. It, it's Thank got you. a sequel now. Maybe you'd like the sequel because it does have a sequel that just came out. I think last year. Now it was, it was what was that called? Crowdfunded. Um, I think it's Torgo's Revenge. Is the yeah. sequel. Uh, but yeah, no, Manos. It's called Manos. the feat of destiny. <laughs> no, Manos is. I will. I will say is. And and I, I I've talked about that film so much. A good friend of mine, who who does listen to the show, um, sent me uh, the the. They did a restoration. They somehow managed to dig up the original film, and they did a a uh, Blu-ray transfer of it. And that movie never needed a Blu-ray transfer. It's not in focus to begin with. No. Like. I just remember Joe sitting in my apartment screaming, they can't even get it in focus. But it is, I defend, the best movie ever made by a fertilizer salesman. So I just got that going. But Chad, I'm a little bit disappointed, mate, because you didn't mention my passionate love for Caddyshack 2. Okay. <laughs> I, I, didn't mean to, I didn't mention that. I was going to rip on you a little bit about your love of Spice World, but we'll talk about Caddyshack 2 because me and Joe both listen by Caddyshack 2. You know why? Because Chad and Joe like Caddyshack 2 as well. Yes. Love the soundtrack. He and I will listen to that song all the time. I'm going Jackie's all the way. <laughs> I love it. Me too. I don't know why people rip on it other than, you know, Dan Aykroyd's performance in that is a little less to be desired. I wonder how they got him because that came out in the summer of 88 and I was in I saw this in Florida with my mother visiting my grandmother Cocoa Beach and we would go to the mall because it was June or July in Florida it was hot as hot as hell and I got to see movies because that was what I was I was a little geek and we saw Caddyshack too. And I've thought to myself over the years, how did they get Dan Aykroyd at that time? I mean, he did Dragnet, Ghostbusters 2 was about to come out. Well, I'll tell you, he was a poor man's Bill Murray. Yeah, I get that. And it would have been a favor to Harold Ramis. I guess, but Harold Ramis didn't direct it. He's one of the writers. but He wrote it, but he got obligated to write it. I, it's directed by, oh, what's his face that started out with Joe Dante. I can't think of his Alan name. Arkish. Alan Arkish. Alan Arkish. Because they did Hollywood. Um, Squares. Squares. <laughs> <laughs> with Paul Lind. Go they, ahead, both, Paul Lind. they all started out with Roger Corman. Sorry. Yeah. Lynn, this is the good thing about him. I don't, it's not everyone that we can have on the show that's going to know what the hell we're talking about right now. So I'm actually kind of happy. Which means that everyone watching won't know what the hell we're talking about. It, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I, went I, on, I went on a thesis about Ghoulies 2 and how amazing Ghoulies 2 is, you know, so. Ghoulies 2 is a superior film to Ghoulies. But Ghoulies is the reason I love horror so much. Ghoulies and A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, I watched back to back when I was five years old. And you know the tagline on the poster for Ghoulies is they'll get you in the end? And, yeah. yeah. Because of the I toilet. It, literally. <laughs> I wouldn't watch it to the end because I was terrified they would actually get me. So I... But it was that, that feeling of like, you know, terror that it's exhilarating. You know, so uh, a funny I'm story. Blame Charles Band for my, um, for my love of horror. Yeah. Every, Band, yeah. Same every here, time we get somebody if you've listened to any of our shows anyone who has ever had anything to do with full moon or empire anybody who's ever had any affiliation with charlie band we always say we've never met him he won't do the show tell us your best charles band story your best charlie band. and by god every one of them have a distinct story yeah well i mean it'd have to be like my favorite story is probably i heard the one you guys talked about the other week with um who was the guy, the comic guy you had on? Peter, Peter David. David. Peter, Peter David. David. Oh, Peter yeah. David. Peter David did not want to leave our house. I mean, <laughs> it took us forever, six months, five months yeah. to finally book him. And then yeah. he did over three. We And you can't throw, I wasn't going to add it. I wasn't going to throw it away. I was like, he's a comic book legend. He's a writing legend. Yeah. We're just throw it all in there. He wanted to go on. Yeah. And he told us to uh, to hook up with him again. So we need to. Yeah, we didn't even get really right. to the comics. He wanted to. Well, keep I, I, I love the stories of Charles Band um, a couple of years ago when the whole VHS resurgence came about where he um, said he found his old VHS of the old films from the 80s and he blew the dust off them and he's going to resell them. And then someone purchased one and saw the fine print and it said, like, printed in 2018. <laughs> 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 but um, you know, I do a bit of work with... Um, do, you know, do you guys know Albert Pune? Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. And you know, you've done a lot of stuff on your uh, through Fake Ship. I, I was looking yeah, through all I, the I, yeah. I've worked with him in the past, and I run his website. And um, he's one of the only people that has positive things to say about Charles Band. Yeah, I've actually tried to contact him. He won't respond back to my messages because I, I would Albert? love to have a conversation yeah, with him. Yeah, we'd love to have him on the show. He's, he's really sick. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. He's, yeah, he's really ill. But um, I can pass that along. Yeah, <laughs> he wants to do it. Whether he's got stamina. Yeah. <laughs> Well, now he the now we have someone else. C. Courtney Joyner wrote a couple of movies and directed a movie for him, and he has positive things to say about him too. He's he his point was, you know, I would have never got the chance to direct without him, right, guys? I mean, he yeah yeah yeah, and he they, he, he didn't have anything negative to say. He's like, no, he paid me. There wasn't an issue. I mean, the the parameters that Charles Band works in are no different to what Lloyd Kaufman works in, or even Corman. You know, I right. guess he's just got more of a reputation because he's a bit more, I don't know, transparent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love the stories of him ripping off Paramount to do yeah. all, and not putting it in the budget. <laughs> but man, I love the Full Moon catalog. Like, so I, I want to do a quick shout out because I, I'm, I'm with you, Glenn. I grew up on Full Moon. Like, Joe rips on me a little bit about I love Full Moon. And um, for our listeners, Download the Tubi app because Tubi app has a full moon channel and there's several full moon movies streaming for free. And I highly recommend at least just for giggles, checking out uh, Creeps, a.k.a. Deformed Monsters. <laughs> well, and Oblivion, one too. <laughs> Oblivion and don't forget um, Spooky Town. I haven't seen Spooky Town. The Jeff Burr film. Yeah, it's on my list. And we've talked to Jeff Burr. We, yeah, we did a two-parter with Jeff Burr. I ain't never He's great. 
he was fantastic. He he lives in southern Georgia now. His mother got sick, and he's basically taking care of her. But he wants to get back in the movies. I think he's another one of those guys, and we've talked to several of them who just didn't get their shot because yeah. of the luck of the draw. Well, can you tell him that the first step to coming back is to put a profile picture on your Facebook page? <laughs> or answer. So I'd been trying to get in for two or three years, and I met him several years. If you listen to the episode, it's all true. I'd met him several, several years ago. And finally, our friend Mick Strawn, who's, by the way, this is another funny story. I can't believe you're not Scarefest. You left Scarefest for us tonight. I appreciate it. And I've got to, I want to get into that in a little bit, but our dear friend, Mick Strawn, who's hooked us up with so many people is actually who made that happen out of the blue. Right. I don't think I, I don't, he's like, hey, you don't ever want to talk to Jeff Burroughs? Like, yeah, I've been trying to get a hold of him for years. Yeah. Or at least a couple of years. Well, Jeff Burr plays a fairly integral part of the, the history of fake champ because he was one of the first people I interviewed. And he just said to me, Oh, you're in, he goes, you're in Melbourne. He goes, do you know Justine? I'm like, well, there's probably a thousand Justines in Melbourne. <laughs> and he goes, Justine Ryan. I'm like, no. So he introduced me to this this chick that's down here. And she became like one of the fake champ reporters. And then we brought on someone else. And it all, all because of this guy, Jeff Burr. Like he sort of pulled my team together in the early days. That's awesome. Wow. How yeah. did you meet him? I just approached him on Facebook for, you know, I've got this new website. It was about eight years ago. You know, would love to talk to you. You're one of my cinematic heroes. You know, Pumpkinhead 2. Yeah. wrong. Night of the Scarecrow. And um, he was on board. He's like, absolutely. And then just randomly plucked all these names out. There's a, a movie group down here in Melbourne called the Cinemaniacs. And he, he loves them. So he just sort of steered me in the right direction. And I ended up with the team. Awesome. Yeah, it's a small... It's a... I, this is very cliche, but it is kind of a small world, especially now with social media. We're, we're so connected and it, it is great because 15 years ago, this wouldn't be happening right now. We wouldn't be having this conversation. That's it. And when it's yeah. a niche sort of area that we revolve in, it's, you know, all the smaller. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So James, did you have something before I, I, I I'm started out? No, I mean, I can, I can throw something out if you want. No, me. just shut the hell up. So, okay. Glenn. <laughs> Yeah, wait, wait. Go ahead, I've got go ahead. the dynamic peg, James. You're the one that's going to throw me under the bus, right? Uh, no, what? The, actually, my, my question was: I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna put you on the spot. I'm gonna make you answer a question for all of Australia. I apologize to have to do this, but what did your country do that made it the only country not represented in Star Trek? There's no Australian bridge officer ever. What did Australia do? I'm trying to think about that. Is there I'm a Croatian really... one? Yeah, they're, they're actually, matter of fact, um, the, <laughs> Shit, the... why did I ask? I should have kept Sorry, my mouth well, I'm pretty sure there is an Aussie in there somewhere. Because I know, I, I, yeah. I know they've had Australian actors, but I think they've had them play people supposedly from England. Um, so I, I, I was just sitting there and I was like, what question can I ask that has nothing to do with anything? And I was like, wait a second, let me go through my Star Trek geekiness. And, and it's always like, oh, England, France, we've got German, we've got Russia, we've got. But I was like, there's never been anybody that was like, well, I'm originally from Australia. So uh, James, James. It's because we were all over in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> that, okay, <laughs> fair enough. You got me. Boy, that was and, a big middle finger. And James, you know the country's Germany, not German. <laughs> no, no. There's look it up. It's German now. Deutschland. Deutschland. <laughs> yeah. Deutschland. Okay. 
I, I have so careful, many careful when you do that because you might get canceled. <laughs> True. Holy cow. Actually, if they go through the whole catalog, I'm pretty sure we've said shit that's just flown that and it will probably come back on me. Thank God, thank God no one's listening or watching. Now yeah. here's the I had I had like five questions. But the one I cannot and it just keeps sticking in my head, and I don't mean to harp on a specific group is no. How the hell did you end up working with Scarefest? I don't know the story. Well, it's, well, you know, Billy Crank, right? Yeah. So I've been friends with Billy Crank for about seven or eight years. How did, how did you meet Billy Crank? Well, because of my absolute love for Ernest P. Worrell. So, <laughs> Me and Lynn have so much in common. Those first four Ernest films, like my office used to be lined with those posters. Um, and back in the day when the whole Son of Ernest thing was a thing and was going to happen, I wanted to get in touch with whoever it was playing him. So I reached out and um, we just became friends immediately because he recognized that I had stuff to offer, you know, writing some comedy and, and mm -hmm. editing videos and that kind of stuff. So we've been doing that ever since. And then obviously he's always at Scarefest in character. So that drew my attention to it. Then one year when he was at Scarefest at the after party, he sent me a, like a video on Facebook where he met another Australian. Her name's um, Beth Darlington. And she comes over yeah. every year. I know who stuff. Beth. I know Beth. We, we, we've well, met vaguely. I mean, well, Beth and I are best friends. So Billy introduced me to her. Um, and then she got into Scarefest ear and said, hey, this guy that lives down here with me, you know, has some media stuff to offer. And they pretty much invited me to do some content for Scarefest TV. It's fantastic. And I've watched some of the videos that you and Billy have done and I, and I really enjoy your work, but I just didn't know how did, so Beth just is, is she into the paranormal? Is that the reason why she started going? Because that's one of the interesting things about Scarefest is that it's yeah. one of the only horror and paranormal. She runs a, a group called um, Access Paranormal. Uh -huh. And it's a bit of like, for lack of a better word, it's a bit of an educational tool for people wanting to get into it. And it's, what I love about what she does is she, she sort of washes out all the bullshit. So she's all about, let's look at this scientifically first mm -hmm. and debunk all of the crap. So when there's no explanation left, that's what we look at. Um, and she's now based in London, but um, yeah, when she was in Australia, her and I would catch up all the time and do some ghost tours. And I like doing it with her because the ghost tours, when she hosts them, are all about no that was just literally a bump in the night that was nothing you know whereas you've got everyone else with these little gadgets buzzing and shit and it's, it's i hate that stuff so anyway long story short she got me into the whole scare fest thing by sort of making my name known to to brandon and nicole and wes and yeah so, that's awesome so quick question yeah. okay yeah. since you're an earnest fan like myself hmm. pick Ernest goes to camp or Ernest Saves Christmas? Camp. Yeah! Yeah! Thank you! Ernest Saves Christmas was made in Florida, and that doesn't make sense to me. Joe, James. Well, it was made in Florida at the time when, when Disney was building its studio down there, with MG, which was originally called MGM. Oh, my God. I could go into the history of this shit. I'm sorry. You probably already know it. But it's Did Christmas. You see this? Do you see this? Yeah, I know, but Christmas has the best line ever. Of course, it's not it's not said by Ernest. It's said by the uh, little lady, and it's just a quick cut. Did you ever find your sack? 
No, no, no. The best earnest line ever. Once again, I do oh, it. I do God. it for one of our fans every year on his birthday. Is of course from Ernest Scared Stupid. Botswana doesn't have any trees. I am a Botswanian lumberjack, and I ain't never had a job. Ernest Rides Again is better. You shut your mouth. Ernest Rides Again does not get mentioned on this podcast. Rides Again is a very undervalued film. Thank you. <laughs> I'm um I'm actually really good friends with Jim Varney's niece, um, Andrea Lloyd. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I did for a time being um, moderate or create a an official Jim Varney website where um it kind of didn't go anywhere. The, the um his nephew, I believe, wrote the book The Importance of Being Earnest, uh, which I have on the shelf over here. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah, he's good value, and um yeah, so Andrew's his sister, and um they've got all kinds of awesome sort of um photos and stuff that we're going to upload into this website that's never been shown before, but. I guess um, everyone's just too busy and it's hard to get everyone together to, to make it work. Until now. So everybody has, we've been really lucky the last couple of months. The one good thing about COVID-19 is that people have had time on their hands and have said yes, that have said no for a very long time. Now we're starting to run out of some of those yeses and hopefully getting more, but that's been one of the good things. I got to do a little history. So tell me something about yourself. You said Ghoulies and, and not Marilyn Elm Street part two were the two movies that got you into horror. What, what got you into movies? Were it those two? No, that, well, kind of, I mean, I've been raised on movies. So my parents would watch films a lot and they wouldn't shelter me from any of them. So, you know, I was exposed to the good stuff from a very early age. And I guess my parents were just really good at contextualizing with me if they noticed that something would affect me or scare me, then they'd talk to me about it and tell me how movies are made. And that, for example, um, the original Lethal Weapon, there's a scene where the chick, or when the guys get stuck in the pool plastic in the pool and they're getting sort of, that terrified me as a kid, that thought of being stuck in all that plastic. And my parents paused the VHS and just sort of told me that, you know, well, that's a stunt person, you know, they can breathe and, soon as the camera cuts they're out of there and once i understood as a very young kid what that was all about it was like there, were, there was nothing off limits it was like you know just movies appealed to me because it was so magical and you could do that kind of stuff that you can't do in real life can you tell that's, me more about being raised by good parents <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that's way better than what my dad did where he would just not even pause it and go hey some of that's fake yeah my mom introduced me to nightmare on elm street the first one when i was four <laughs> And then didn't bother to tell me. I'm sitting there going, <laughs> oh, it's all fake, son. Yeah, I got the exorcist at 11 when mom and dad were splitting up. And I think she just thought it's time for him to watch what the real world's like. I don't know. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to do that with my son, too. There are certain things. And it's great that you said that because he was asking about something. He's, he's not even three. He'll be three in a few weeks. And he loves Ghostbusters. But he was asking, I can't remember what the, and I was like, son, it's fake. It's fake. This is special effects. In fact, we were watching the new, which I highly recommend not to get off point. I don't know if you guys watched the new making of Ghostbusters on, on uh, cleaning up the town. It's on Crackle. It's free. Go out and watch it. I like it much better than the one that IGN or whoever did just a few months ago, because this one is almost all production people. It has a few of the actors in it, but it's mm. mainly production folks. And I highly recommend it for the other three. 
especially the two other two boneheads who love Ghostbusters. So it didn't screw you up too bad. I need to tell my wife that. Then. Well, the best thing about, I think the best thing about the eighties is there's so many good gateway films for kids to get into horror. You know, there's a lot of family friendly horror, which they don't do a lot of anymore. No, no. You know, these days we bubble wrap and we cotton wool our kids, but you know, I think there's a lot more psychological benefit to exposing them to it. Just, for the whole, you know, learning to be resilient and, and understanding what fear is and the importance of being scared in certain situations. Yeah. And what is and what isn't scary. So let's talk a little bit about you. Did you go to film school, right? Went to two. Went to the Vancouver Film School in Canada because I lived over there for a while and then came back here to RMIT and um, studied, which is the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology, studied film and television production and I was one year below James Wan and Lee Winnell in the same course yeah that's what I thought so you yeah. guys were buddies right and you just you hung on to their coattails and <laughs> it's just all history from the it's a, you know it's well, nothing but success you know you know who else was um in that course was um have you heard of Scott Ryan he's um there's a show over there called Mr. Inbetween no yeah. I'm not familiar with it I have to check it out James is I've heard of it, but yeah, I don't, I don't get out much. But I get- well, the guy that created that was in our course as well, and he made a film down here called The Magician, which was a like a a mockumentary about a hitman. And um, they one of the networks over in America sort of caught wind of it and asked him to produce it for America, and that's what Mr. In Between is. But anyway, he came from the same course as um, James Wan and Lee Winnell as well. Uh-huh. It's, uh huh. It's so. You graduated from film school. Tell me a little bit more about your history. What, what did, you, did you try to work in the industry for a while? What happened? I, I made a grave error of judgment when it came to graduating because I had been working in the video industry, like, you know, working video store. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, things were still going gangbusters, everything. It was a great industry to be in. And the, the video store I was working in went up for sale. So with my family, I bought into it and ended up owning a video store for a good 13 to 14 years. That's amazing. Yeah, well, until the fucking industry died. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. all of those spent, I could have been pursuing the actual film career. Well, there's something to be said about that. But there's also something to be said of 13 to 14 years of meeting those folks and, and giving out those movies and watching the smiles. I, I, and yeah. I'm not, I'm sorry. I, I know. I was about I'm to say. All, I, go ahead, Joe. Sorry. Oh, it's I, it sounds fun to me. I wish well, I'd got that opportunity. It's, well, it's well, interesting. You go. You go I was just gonna say it's really interesting because I think the uh, uh, we've talked about this before. We missed the video store because so many movies that I discovered was because I went to a movie theater or a movie rental place, and I said, ah, and somebody would stop me. What are you looking for? I don't know. I just want something to watch. What do you like? And I would say something, and I got introduced to so many films that I enjoyed. Not all of them. Not all recommendations work out. And that's gone now. I've got to rely on an algorithm on Netflix or whatever. Yeah. And I, I find it interesting because one of my students uh, at the university I work at, her and her husband own the last video rental store in like an eight-county radius. And it's really funny because they said, you know, it used to be you couldn't compete against Blockbuster. Now we are the only option and people drive in from different counties. And I was like, it's weird to see how that happens. But I do miss that, as Joe was saying, that, hey, try this, try this. I mean, so many movies I got exposed to. Well, it's one thing we do every week on our podcast is we try to still keep on top of what physical releases are coming out. Because, I mean, even though you can't go and rent anymore, 
just to have a product in your hands to be able to sort of read the back that's part of the experience and that you just kids of today don't have and they don't even comprehend how that's important like and i understand that too but to us you know that's that's the appeal having good artwork which you know the suppliers need to start improving their artwork because they've gotten so bland and generic yeah. oh it's um, awful yeah but anyway yeah i do miss those days one of the things that came out of it was i i actually wrote a blog called tales from a clerk which is all about the dickhead customers that we used to have <laughs> and i've actually i've pulled that offline because i got approached by someone to publish it into like a coffee table book yeah so, yeah so stay tuned for that one i've got two books i'm writing and that's one of them and um yeah there's some amazing stories that come out i'll give you one if you want please sure. please please you, it's this is all about you <laughs> well there's a good story i worked in a very because at the time i worked in a chain before i purchased i worked in the chain that had about seven outlets within our area and one was a mega store so it was like a factory warehouse full of video rentals and there were about 15 staff working at the time and i was standing next to an older woman that was working behind the counter with me and a man approached her at the at the desk and he said my videos are stuck in the return shoot and she said, well, which return shoot? And he's like, the one here at the desk, because underneath the desk was a slot that you put yep, the... Man. And so she reached down to get them, but his dick was in the return shoot. And so <laughs> she grabbed that instead and yanked it through. Hilarious. <laughs> like, what was his end game? I, I mean, what did he think was going to happen? That. He wanted that to happen. Oh, well, I guess he got what he wanted then, huh? What a, what a so great customer questions. service you provided. There are so many stories like it. Actually, I'll give you one more and then Please. that's it. Because I want to publish this thing. But um, we used to have a guy or uh, don't, it was a guy. So we had a pest in our store and he would take Polaroid photos of his dick and hide them inside the cases. So that you could be scanning out movies to families or whatever. And you might open like Annie. Boom, there's a Polaroid of this guy's dick inside. <laughs> but the beautiful thing about this was he took these photos inside the store because you could see from the background that he's in the store. But we could never actually find who he was because he was clever about it. So we just knew what his dick looked like and nothing else. And it went on for about six months. And we had to really be careful not to let customers see as we scan because any one of those tapes could be like a <laughs> dick pic. And you never found out who he was? No. He was a Because we had, we had cameras and he would take these photos in a certain part of the store where the camera couldn't see. And yet we would always try to watch that area and no. Nah, what's, what's funny about here is the missing story that there's a gentleman out there right now who is in tears that he can't do that anymore. Nobody <laughs> thought about how the end of video would affect that gentleman. He has lost his only passion and he is alone. Why is it? Won't somebody think of the children? <laughs> <laughs> well, so how did you start Fake Shimp? Um, well, I mean, I, I know I, where the name comes from. Of course you do. Um, yes. I had a, a blog. Um, no, not a blog. I had a group on Facebook just because um, it was Glenn's movie group or something like that. And had a friend visiting from overseas that just said to me one day out of the blue, you should turn that into a website. And it was easy as that. The next day I paid for a domain and had it set up. And I originally called it, this is the worst, I called it Dashflix. Don't ask me why. 
I think it was because my reviews in the early days were very short paragraph reviews, layman stuff. So I thought quick, dash, flicks, everyone loves Netflix. But then I realised Netflix owned the, the name Dash Flicks as well. So <laughs> what? Came to me. Yeah. Fake, fake Shimp just came to me out of the blue. It's like, I, I love Sam Raimi. I'll call it Fake Shimp. No one got Is that it. Where that comes from? I thought it was John. Cr- I'm joking. I'm joking. Nobody's <laughs> going to get that joke. Yeah. Well, I mean, and so you've had a lot of luck. Let me ask you a question. You have had some big stars. How did you get Rob Zombie? How did you get some of these folks? How are you able to get them? Well, I'm very lucky. Um, some of them, like I approach myself, but the big ones, like your Michael Mann and your Rob uh-huh. Zombie. They and I've through- got to listen to Michael Mann because I'm a huge fan. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. No, but Michael Mann is the second most difficult person I've ever interviewed. Um, but oh, We'll get to that in a minute because we get these questions all the time. Um, okay. But I, I write for Australia's largest print publication called Stack Magazine. And they arrange a lot of these interviews for me for print. And I just, I, I said in the early days, I said, well, I'm going to record these. Can I use the recordings on my podcast? Which is great because what goes to print is only a real fraction of, of mm-hmm. the, the greater interview. So they print part of it and then the rest of it just gets dumped onto my, my podcast. And um, which I love because we, I like to delve into stuff that's unrelated to the article. And, you know, in fact, last night I was talking, I recorded my podcast and I was talking about um, Mary Harron who did American Psycho. Yep. Yeah. I recorded a really good interview with her. Yeah. I recorded a great interview with her and we went off topic and started talking about Australian cinema and and cults in Australia and and serial killers. And after I published the, the interview in the magazine, the audio vanished disappeared from my computer i don't know where it is so no one will ever get to hear the delicious story that came from that but yeah anyway stack magazine the the main people that hook me up with the the celebrities and um all the others like your jeff burrs and your um i've done harlan williams and a few of sort of the lesser names they keep me i i I track them down i'm desperate to get randy quaid (laughs) we would love to have randy quaid that'd be fantastic I love it. even now. I love I love the, the the manic lunacy that he's he's adopting this character. He reads these Trump tweets in character, and oh, it's glorious. I love it. I I, I you completely you agree. You don't know if he's satirical or if he's just a madman. It's just yeah. Um, man, yeah. You almost think it's a ladder because you you look at it and goes that really was him in Caddyshack too. <laughs> so who? So why is Michael Mann so difficult? <clears throat> Um, ego. Um, I think he felt like he was forced into the interview because it was to discuss the anniversary of Last of the Mohicans. Mm-hmm. And I think in his mind, that film is just too long past to talk about. Um, but an interesting thing, which I was very careful about putting online. So I, I kind of did make a little cheeky edit to just to make him not sound as bad. Um, I addressed the point that he was part of a movement of indigenous films at the time, you know, telling American stories. And he flat out just said to me, that's not true. We were the only one. And I'm like, well, okay, well, I've got proof that you're not. But he didn't want to hear about it. And then a few minutes, so I just moved on. But then a few minutes later, you could tell it bothered him because he came back at me and he said, well, okay, why don't you tell me what some of these so-called other movies of this movement were? I'm like, well, Dances with Wolves, how about we start there? You know, 
And he goes, you've got a point. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I don't take well to prickly pears, but um, you will appreciate the most difficult one I've ever had, which was Jim Wynorski. Oh. Oh, have you listened to ours yet? Yes, Chad, you copped the exact same thing I did right at the start when he goes, I've been asked that before. Moving on, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what, mate? Most of the people listening don't know who the fuck you are, so why don't you tell them? Yeah. So, funny story, Chad, do you want to tell him how I tried to get him a a year or two ago, several times. I wanted to talk to him. Not because, not necessarily we're huge fans, but he's, man, so prolific. Yeah. I mean, and he coined the phrase, uh, boobs are the cheapest, blah, 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 special effects. I mean, he, he must have tremendous stories somewhere underneath the asshole. He has yeah. to have. And I, he never, he defriended me on Facebook. Then Chad comes up about a month ago and says, by the way, I got Jim Wynorski. <laughs> we don't even, talk because it's kind of a competition between the three of us about trying to get people. And it's really good. I think, it, I actually said this about a few weeks ago. I was like, it's good competition between us. Should be a little bit of competition. Yeah. And and I was like, great, awesome. And Chad was like, yeah, he, he was really nice on the phone. Right, Chad? Mm-hmm. I yeah. said, really? Because he was not so nice to me. And then Chad's the first one that copped his attitude. yeah that was a that was a fantastic interview because you ended up really you butted him up and and he really gave you a lot oh really well thank you because i haven't listened to it i just kind of threw it up there i got we were all three and a funny story my tower computer the cpu died last weekend and i hadn't moved it to the external hard drive and it was on there and uh, magically the tower started working the next morning, but I texted them and go, I don't know what we're going to do. The interviews there. I didn't upload it to the cloud. It's not on the external hard drive. I hadn't did that yet. And Chad goes, well, if we're going to lose one, we're going to lose one. And you know, along with those stories, you know, um, I use zoom every day, never had a problem. And Jim Wynarski, the reason I cannot contact him is because one of those films that was in, an inspiration for me, what made me love films was Swamp Return of Swamp Thing. I watched it almost daily when I was a kid, the creature effects, Swamp Thing. I still have a love of Swamp Thing to this day. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to contact him. And he, he, wrote, he wrote me back almost immediately. And I was like, oh, I'm so excited. And then he starts to tell the Swamp Thing story and Zoom crashes on me. And I can't hear anything. These guys are, he's talking to them too, and I'm watching them shake his hand, them shaking their heads, and I see Joe laugh. I'm like, what am I missing? What am I missing? <laughs> I, I really need to go back and listen to it then, because I thought he he was a little bit of a, of, that's a really good way to put it. He's a little bit of a prickly pear. I really yeah, wish. I was going to say, I really wish that we could have got him and Peter David on the same thing. So Peter David could have told the story about how they should just read Peter David's adaptation of Return of Swamp Thing and just let him respond to that. I would have loved for that to happen. It didn't work. Uh, well, I um, I advertise you guys on our episodes now of our podcast, and I took a nice audio grab of him telling that story about how Chopping Mall got its name. Yep. That was a great story. It is. He was. He was fine after a while. So what I tell people because I do a lot of the moderating for cons. I do Scarefest. I do our Lexington Comic Con here. I've enjoyed it. I've been really lucky. There's no money in it, but I've enjoyed it and I've been really lucky. And people, uh, the question I get a lot 
is the first one's like, what are stars or what are they like? And I always say stars, any of these people are like any other anybody else. 90% are great. 10% are assholes. Yeah. What do you think, Glenn? Yes. That's, that's it. They're like people. They are people. 90% are great. 10% are assholes. The I biggest asshole I ever, go ahead. No, I just said, I, I don't get starstruck. I did the first couple. I'll tell you, the first time I met Bruce Campbell, I was a little starstruck. It was hard not to be. But I, after I in, after I listened to him for a few minutes, I was like, oh, no, he's just really pompous. <laughs> great, great entertainer. Great on stage. Wonderful. Uh, I don't know that I want to hang out with him too much. <laughs> after it time. kind of wears off. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. think the only time I've ever been starstruck talking to the, the celebrities and the people we've talked to is uh it was one of the first experiences of meeting a celebrity and meeting one of my icons uh william forsyth i literally got starstruck with william forsyth he i, I couldn't uh joe's wife was with me at the time Giggity. uh and we met and well, she's gonna uh, sleep around at least she could you know keep it friendly he was he was at a table by himself and we had a we had a lot i had a short conversation with him and i was i could not come up with the words to talk to him and I, I was like I walked away and because he, he even did the la when he did the scary clown for Masters of Horror he did that laugh for me and I was I, I giggled like a like a three-year-old I giggled and then uh, I walked away and I looked at Chris I looked at his wife and said I didn't ask about flat top <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your favorite William Forsyth film my my favorite William Forsyth film um, it's actually not a film. It's uh, well, him as Flat Top is one of those iconic roles for me. Um, but his portrayal as Al Capone in The Untouchables, um, in the syndicated television show, um, was uh, it's one of those uh, those memorable moments for me. It's a uh, that it's one of the few shows like me and my dad didn't have a lot in common uh, in terms of our entertainment likes. Uh, he liked the the Green Berets and and really schlocky westerns and I just couldn't get into them but uh every Saturday afternoon around one around one o'clock we turn on the tv and we watch the untouchables so yeah that's just uh that's one of the fondest memories I have of we made it's all about dead bang for me oh dead, dead bang, bang is good yeah oh yeah, I've got it. another 80s action film that I love him in that I haven't seen it in a long time that I love it's directed by Craig R. Baxley it's called Stone Cold it's got him and Lance Henriksen in it as the bad guys Craig Baxley. Craig R. Baxley. I'd love to have him on the show. I'd like to talk to him yeah. about story. He actually directed one of my favorite Stephen King uh, Story of the Century. Story of the Century. Yeah, it's one of those where I actually think the Stephen King, I'm a huge Stephen King fan, he's my favorite living author. And that was one of the few that I thought he stuck to the landing, right? So one criticism you can throw at King is that the ending sometimes are never what you want. Of course, it's not about the ending, but I think Storm of the Century has no. the perfect ending. That final scene is chilling. Yeah, with the kid and the teeth. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. What is the William Forsyth movie that he did? Oh, man. The, I'm blanking. It, it was uh, it was with the chick who uh, was the replacement on Sliders. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's obscure. I know. Oh, my God. I'm blanking. Glenn put me on the spot. <laughs> well, Glenn, while he's thinking about that, who's been one of, and these are very cliche questions, but I get them a lot, so now I want to shove them at you. Who's been some of your favorites? Interviews? Yeah. Well, Rob Zombie was amazing. Like, he, 
if I was going to get close to being starstruck, it was the first five seconds of that interview because that that dawned upon me that I'm talking to this rock star and you know, an amazing, well, I won't say amazing filmmaker, but good filmmaker. No, distinct more- voice, Glenn. I always defend him. I say, you know what? I don't like it's an experience. 30, You're going to get 30% of his movies. Some yeah. of them I really like, but I will tell you when I see a Rob Zombie movie, that was not made by a committee. That no. was that had a no. distinct voice and God bless you. Get a particular type of trash. Um, yes. So, but I, I do like it. Like, I mean, Devil's Rejects is one of the great American films as far as I'm concerned, but he's made a lot of poxy stuff too. But anyway, I'm a big fan of his music, you know, music and, and as a rock star, I couldn't believe that I was talking to him. But the second he opened his mouth, he was so down to earth and, you know, just easy to talk to and he was forthgiving and just wanted to discuss stuff. And it was very easy to have a conversation with him, for sure. I'm trying to think who else. Um, recently did one with Jason Lee Howden and he's the director of Guns Akimbo, the new oh, Daniel Radcliffe film. I am dying to see that movie. Yeah. He, he was great. Like, obviously, being from New Zealand, we're very much on the same kind of um, personality level. He's got the same sense of humour I do. Yeah. And, yeah, we hit it off. It was a really good interview. Um, actually, you probably never heard of this guy. His name's Matthew Holmes. I talk about him a lot on Fake Shen. He, direct, he directs Aussie films. Um, did a big Western called The Legend of Ben Hall, which um, was produced by Greg McLean, who did Wolf Creek. And I know Greg McLean, yeah. Yes. Um, and this guy makes really unique, you know, Aussie films about you know, colonial stories, bush ranger stories. And um, I've known him for quite a while and I managed to get him in on the desk. One of our episodes a couple of months ago, it's just me and him at the desk, you know, riffing, talking about everything. And that was one of my favorites just because of the, the dynamic we had. Yeah. I have to go yeah. back and check that out. By the yeah, way, video too. Uh, Beyond Desire. Never heard of it. 1995's William Forsyth and Kari Wooer. I'm probably now. Oh, I'm yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Now I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of cheesy, uh, bloody violence and uh, a very awkward sex scene between those two. So, <laughs> what is what are some of the movies now? Because I feel, and this is probably true. For, this uh, is true for America because we just get bombarded with American films that I don't know that a lot of Americans pay attention to the cinema outside of America unless it just blows up and then gets caught up like I don't know something like yeah. Parasite right and yeah. then they pay attention to it yeah. and especially now you you had a quote the other day that I don't necessarily disagree but I do follow you on social media and I am paying attention brother about America losing its way and I don't know that I disagree with that yeah so well, the- like I, I adore America. Like it's, it's my, I mean, I lived in Canada, but I spent a lot of time in America and I just love it. I adore it. But um, when I said that, it was just more that America at the moment has an issue seeing themselves from the outside. Agreed. Right? I completely right? agree. And there, for lack, I don't want to sound offensive, but there's an ignorance to the world, right? Whereas we consume everything, like we, we get all of the news from Korea, we get all the news from, you know, what's happening in Europe, we get all the American news, like in our headlines. And if you go to an American newspaper, it's all American stories and news articles. And right down the bottom in the byline, it might be one international story. I just find that there's a disconnect these days. 
I think it's been there for a long time. I, I appreciate you saying these days, but I think, it, I mean, we're talking about a country that didn't want to go into World War II, you know, because mm. of, if you got into a lot of American history, and this is a very deep conversation probably for this kind of show, yeah, because we're isolationists. And I think there's a lot of pure, there's a lot of puritanical things that are still here three, 400 years later and a lot of isolationists. You know, you yeah. got to remember everybody's like, ah, oh, fuck England and roll off. But a lot of the groups that came here was because England didn't really want them either. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was about to say that uh, Greg Proops has a great stand-up comedy thing that's now several years old where he says, you know, they celebrate Thanksgiving in, uh, in England as well. It's called Screw Off Puritans. Nobody wanted these people. They were, they were trying to have the renaissance and you had people going, no, 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 we're going to wear buckles on our hats and, and not on our shoes, just on our hats. And that's what we're going to do. And you're going to do it. And they were like, no, no. Go, and, and he makes the jokes. And what did they send them with? Guns and Bibles. Best of luck to you. And I it said, seems like we get that. I said all that to actually get a long-winded diversion into what, is, what, are, what are some films right now that because of streaming – for good or for bad, the good thing about streaming is that everyone has access. The, the playing field is level. I'll, I often say this also, too. There's never been a time in history where you have access to more media. It's never been harder to make a dime in media, to make hmm. some money in media, right? Yeah, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, you could raise a few hundred thousand dollars, sell this movie. I mean, 30 years ago, and you could put it on video. I mean, yep. and that's not even a possibility anymore. It's never been harder to make a living in media than it is right now, even with the abundance of media. So what right. are some movies that Americans don't know about or some filmmakers? This is a very tough question. I'm sorry. There's some filmmakers that they don't know about that they should be paying attention to or they should be watching that they can get access to. That's, I mean, that's essentially why I do my segment on Scarefest TV every week, isn't it? Like to just, mm -hmm. I mean, because I know Australian films and love them so much, I try to sort of throw some good ones at you. Um, that's a really hard question off the top of my head. I mean... It's okay. We can come back to it. <laughs> it'll still be hard. Because um, I know a lot of, like, good films. I don't necessarily know the filmmakers because they haven't sort of risen up just yet. Like, um, the guy who directed Cargo. Have you seen that one with Martin Freeman? Mm -mm. It's a Australian zombie film with... Um, you know Martin Freeman from The Hobbit? Absolutely. Yo, of course we know Martin Freeman. Yeah, so he did an Aussie film. It's so beautiful and it's set in the outback and there's a zombie outbreak or apocalypse and he and his wife are trying to get the child to safety. But both oh, he I've read about wife, it. I've read about it. Yes, yes, yes. But then his mission is he's got 48 hours to find some kind of safe haven for his infant before he turns into a ravenous zombie. It's beautiful. It's a great film. That is available on one of your streaming platforms over there. Good. Oh, and that's um, another pain in the ass is because the streaming platforms change from each country of what you got access to. But have you guys, have you, do you know the website justwatch.com? No. Oh. I can check it out. So justwatch.com means you can type in, um, you know, any movie and it'll tell you exactly what platform it's on. And Cargo is streaming on Netflix right now. There you go. So I shall be watching that. I still haven't got it. He's in Ghost Stories, right? I still haven't got to watch that. Yeah. That's on there. It's even, mm -hmm. I just watched something today. I was telling Chad about it, not to get off topic. It's a movie that I think had unfortunate timing that I enjoyed the absolute hell out of. And did you see The Hunt? 
Oh, yeah, the one with um, what's her name from Glee? Under Glow. Glow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched it today, and and because of the kid, the last few years, my consumption has been tapered off, and it's a little harder for me to get to see new things on as I used to all the time. And I just got to watch it today, and I was like, oh, man. Even if, even if it hadn't different. been for the bad politics in the fall, and they got pushed back, and then they got pushed back to when COVID was sweeping across the nation. I don't know that it had been popular, but that's a movie that I, don't, I just really liked. Yeah, it's fun. It was a lot of fun. Poking no, fun at both sides. In, in a way, yeah. In a way, it, it doesn't really take a, a political side. It kind of goes right down the middle and says you're both screwed up, you know? You're both so fucking stupid. I know. Yeah. Both sides. And even the liberals probably get it worse than anyone in that movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah sorry didn't mean to get off on an aside there well actually one name i want to throw out there which i talk about all the time on scarefest tv but can't can't talk about enough have you heard of a guy called everett d roche just from your segments so he's an expat american that came to australia in the 70s and this wrote some of the most prolific films down here um really he did frog dreaming which i know you know that one mm-hmm. that's one streaming um, on amazon prime right now Stanley curtis oh do you um, say road games yeah yeah i saw road games as a kid i don't yeah. know how i saw road games as a kid but i was i knew stacy keach and jamie lee curtis yeah. so i saw it as a child he did um long weekend which is like tarantino's favorite film um razorback patrick look this guy up he passed away a few years ago and um so much for getting the, him on the show the legacy he's left is just the best no yeah. but i i was his final interview so you can go to fake shemp and look him up so you killed him. <laughs> well, I, I did attend his funeral. Maybe there's a bit of guilt. There's a bit of guilt. That's okay. There's a friend of mine who runs a con, and I won't say which one. It's not Scarefest, so it kind of narrows it down, if you know me a little bit. And that he has killed two actors in the last two years. He uh, <laughs> got their signatures to come to his convention right before they died. Well, they've signed the contract. They Rolling signed in. the contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One in yeah, particular signed it that morning and died of a heart attack later after the afternoon. Anyway, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's 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 a hell of a that's a hell of a segue on that. I, 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 here, let, let me segue better. So about an hour ago, I was wearing shorts with no crotch in them. Yeah, did, you weren't doing that around the children, were you? My kids are sitting at night. The grandparents. Oh, really? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I want to get all gussied up from the so what are some of your favorite movies now? What are some things that you keep going back to? Because I find that as I get older, I revisit things, and I'm sure it's perspective and age and wisdom and 5,000 other things and experiences, but I, I, I go back and watch things that I loved that I don't love quite as much, and then I go back and visit things that I didn't care for, and now I totally get them. I think like your hatred of ET. What you say? <laughs> I said, like your hatred of E.T. when you were a child. I didn't care for E.T. I wasn't until I was in my 30s and enjoyed it. And now I, 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 I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm actually trying to figure out when I should show it to my son. I think it's that saturation of, of content that there's just too much of it that we go back to what we're comfortable with. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. But, um, Reanimator, that's always one I go back to. Did you ever get to meet Stuart Gordon or interview him? No, oh, wish I didn't either. He was good friends with Albert Pune, and they used to have dinner together. And I've been over to Vegas and stayed with Albert, and 
if he had teed that up, that would have made my life. That would have been amazing. Yeah, I never got to meet him either. He was just an hour away a couple of years ago. I could have, and it was at a con who doesn't hire me. So I tend yeah. not to go to those as yeah. much because I don't want to pay for it. And uh, I should have just went. I should have just dropped the money and went and met him just so I could have yeah. said thank you, even though he's heard it 5,000 times and just met him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I Look, here's a, here's a tip for you. It's really hard to secure Brian Usner. Um, he says yes to everything and then never delivers. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's, he's approachable. He says, here's my email, get in touch and we'll organize something. And then that's the last you'll hear of it. Well, I, I was about to say, we're dealing we, with that with an actress right now. We've ran into that. And the other thing that we've ran into, and I, I, I wonder if you ever encountered this, because I'm a big fan, and I'll just say, say the property, I guess. I'm a big fan of the Muppets. And I grew up on the Muppets. My father likes the Muppets. We have a family tradition of watching Muppets Christmas Carol every Thanksgiving because of my father. <laughs> and we watch, we watch Ernest no, Scared Stupid every Easter. No, it's, well, it's, it's, it's a kick in my father's mind. It's a kickoff to the Christmas season. You finish Thanksgiving dinner and, and you watch, watch a Christmas movie. Um, and, and it used to be the Alistair Sims. And then my dad fell in love with Michael Caine. That being said, we've reached out. Michael Caine has got a restraining order now. James has, a, James has had to watch Jaws 4 so many times. <laughs> no, we've reached out to a lot of the Muppet performers, the older ones that are retired and things like that. And we've gotten responses. I've gotten responses where they're like, nobody cares about our stories. Nobody wants to hear about being a Muppet performer in the 70s and working with you. And I'm like, I, like, I know uh, Frank Oz now has his own podcast where he, he brings them on back. But so many of them have just said, nobody's going to care about our stories to us. I've had at least seven I can name off the top of my head where they have said, nobody cares about the story. And I'm like, that's why we need them because people do care. And some of these people well, are getting older. The, the proof is in the pudding. We've had two really good documentaries about Muppet performers. Like we need more. Yeah. yeah and, that's, and I was like, even if you just, because one of them in particular that I talked to, uh, she did primarily the background minor female characters on the Muppet Show. And I'm like, that's the stories I want. I, I'm yeah. not, I'm probably not going to get Frank Oz. I would love to have Frank Oz, but I was like, I want to know what does it mean to be the journeyman Muppet performer? But anyway, there so is I, never a better time for it. Everything's retro at the moment. Why wouldn't they? Like Dark Crystal's back. Like this is the time to do it. When we're getting a new Muppet show, allegedly Disney Plus is going to show us. We'll see. But yeah, but I just wondered if you ever encountered that where somebody goes, well, I don't think anybody's going to be interested in hearing from. No, I mean, I just, I get, I get rejection. Like, just don't want to do it, but never really any elaborate sort of detail as to why. Or you'll get the, what we, what we now know is called the Hollywood no silence. Oh, yeah. Here's one that I, I really appreciate. Mick Garris said no and gave me reasons why no as far as I don't have time to do this shit. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm running Mick my Garrison own podcast. What you Garrison say? I have, I, we're kind of friends, Mick Garris and I, because we chat a fair bit. And he desperately, well, not desperately, he wants to come on our show, but he said he would only do it via FaceTime. And... Back the last time we were going to tee something up, I wasn't doing FaceTime. I'm like, no, I need to do it in a certain way. We pre-record. I want to do a pre-recorded thing. He wanted to do it live. So it didn't come together, but he did want to do it. And um, I, I need to reach out to him now that Zoom is so easy to access. 
I really need mm-hmm. to get back in touch. Yeah, I, I would love to have him on the show. I'm, I've often thought, what can I ask him that he hasn't already talked about? Which leads me to my next question with some of these folks who are, who are willing to do it. You never, it, you try in my business, in our business, especially for conventions, I never ask, you never ask Mark Hamill about Star Wars, right? Yeah. Ask him about something else. The Giver. Yeah. Flipstream. Slipstream. Slipstream. What a great. I watched him one time. I watched him talk about uh, the Joker once. Just goes off, and you know, obviously has such a love for doing the voice of the Joker. But you'd never ask Mark Hamill about Star Wars. So, my favorite interview that I've ever done, not in the podcast, but on a panel, was George Romero, and that was one of the few times I was starstruck. And I I promised him I wouldn't ask about zombies. I was like, the audience will ask about that. I want to ask about some other things. So. How do you approach it trying to be interesting, but not ask cliche questions? I know what I try to do, but I'm curious about your process. Well, I tend not to care what they think. I'll ask what I want. And uh, usually I will approach them with a theme, like it might be an anniversary or it might be, I only want to talk about this, but if it's okay, I might ask a few other questions and you can just decline to answer if you want to. But when they're on the spot, they're not going to decline because they know they're on the spot and it'll make them look bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to no, give a shit. <laughs> I'm not going to throw them under the bus, but I figure if I ask a question politely, and they're they're committed to the interview, they're not going to want to look like a dick. So they'll probably answer. Yeah, unless they're Michael Mann. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, he was under the impression it was only going to be print. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I can I can get that. There's some people that I I would love to reach out to that I I really don't know what I could talk to them about. I I hit it off. Speaking of Reanimator, Jeffrey Combs, I ran his panel last year, two years ago in Scarefest, and we actually talked afterwards, and we talked that night a little bit, and I really wanted him to do the show, and he's like, nah, there's just nothing for me to talk about, and it, it was I didn't really get the opportunity to say, listen, we're not going to talk about Reanimator. Let's, no, talk, let's about, talk about the Frighteners. Let's talk about the Frighteners. Let's talk about, you want, if you want to talk about Star Trek. We I was can, say, let's do an hour and a half conversation about you playing Shran uh, in Star Trek Enterprise. That's all we, I want. We can talk about your experiences just in acting and making a living. I don't give a shit what you want to talk about. Actually, me. I would love to hear Jeffrey Combs talk about working with Stuart Gordon on that one-man Poe show they did. Yeah, I would have liked to have talked about that, too. But I understand that they've told so many stories about one project that's 40, sometimes 50 years ago that it's hard to remember certain things. Yeah. If I was to get Jeffrey Combs, I'd, want to, I'd only want to talk about Fortress, the Christopher Lambert film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's on my shelf over here. It's, I've got I Fortress. Love, and Fortress, love Fortress. Well, that was made down here. And like I'd, I'd be able to tie in lots of questions about you know, working in Australia with Australian crew. and you know. Right. Was Space Truckers made down there as well? No, but what a great film that is. Oh, isn't it? It, Yeah. James's favorite movie. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. That's the one that that does not have a fantastic ending, but that's a lot of fun. But you and your fucking endings, mate. Like, seriously. (laughs) You said it yourself. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) 
I know, I know. And, Wes, and no, no, he, no, Wes he, he, ripped he, he, me he, he, on the show a while back about that fucking third act. And I was like, well, seriously, some of them, they just blow it. They just blow it. Like that three-part Dracula on Netflix, I was getting into it. And the second part, I was like, well, it's just like if you follow oh, whatever that guy's name is who wrote um, writes Sherlock and then started out or was famous for doing Doctor Who before that, who did Dracula. It's like, yeah, Carl Stein. No, <laughs> fuck you. I'm in it all. Anyway, but then it's like, oh, the last 20 minutes of that is awful. Just hey, Chad, watch this. Dracula for a while. What'd you say? Wes was obsessed with that show because, like, for three or four weeks straight, that's all he wanted to talk about. And he had he had me call into the show, and I'm ready to talk about movies and websites. And he's like, so what did you think of Dracula? I'm like, oh. <laughs> Wes will never watch this, but you can go ahead and tell him I, this is a true story, and I don't give a shit if he gets mad for me telling it. He had to, last year or two years ago, he had to do a panel. They gave him the the B-movie actress panel. And I usually do a lot of the panels. Didn't hurt my feelings. Didn't bother me one little bit. And he said, he was walking to the panel and I was walking by him. He goes, so do you actually do research for this shit? <laughs> do you actually have questions? And I said, and I'm almost positive. I said, and I'm sorry to our audience that I have to drop the F-bomb. Yes, motherfucker. I have a ton of questions ready to go. It may look like I don't have a lot of questions. I probably will never get to all my questions. But I have them. <laughs> well, I'm it's, usually like, it's usually questions like, do you like ham? Do you like Billy Piper? I did, I did one for Billy Piper and someone asked her her favorite dessert and she had never been happier. She goes, oh, thank you. I, I'm sick of Doctor Who questions. She was more than happy to talk about it. What'd you say? I've got a question for you. What? Why did you apologize for that F-bomb, but none of the ones that preceded it? Exactly. Probably because I'm an asshole. I don't know. I wasn't even thinking about it. <laughs> because if I had to do, if I had to stick, I, we just wouldn't do the show if I had to stick. Maybe, maybe because it was a personal one. Maybe. Maybe. It was a personal story. He may not even remember saying it. He probably doesn't but I remember it Yeah, as he was going to do the panel. Do you actually, how do you actually do this? <laughs> Don't you host a show every week where you have to interview somebody? Oh, well, anyway, I thought it was funny. Yeah. So who are some of the dream guests that you'd like to have? I know there's some of ours, but who would you like? I mean, just off the top of your head. Mate, it's all about Randy Quaid. Is it just Randy Quaid? He's the one we're trying to get the most. Like, he's the one that we desperately want. Um, I want to get one back. I want Harlan Williams, because we had him do a bit for us um, to celebrate Rocket Man, you know, the Disney film. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Actually, I know him now from Puppy Dog Pals because of my son. Well, I think he's he's one of the greats, and I think Rocket Man's one of the great funny films of all time. Really? Very under, Really undervalued. Completely I need to go back and watch it. Yeah, it's 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 genius. It's G-rated, so it's clean, and every joke just lands. And um, so we had him almost do like a five-minute commentary for us, um, mm -hmm. which you can find on our YouTube channel, and tells us backstories, tries to do an Australian accent, uh, but I want him back to have a discussion. But I feel like when it comes to us, he feels like he's already done something for us, and that's enough. Right. <laughs> so I don't think I'll get him back. I'd love to have him back. Uh, who else? Have you heard of the film Bad Boy Bubby? No. 
That's Bad an Australian Bob. film. It's it's very notorious. It's pretty extreme. There's an actor in that called Nicholas Hope who you'd recognise in other things, but um, I'd love to get him on the show and its director, um, Rolf De Heer. Um, but if you haven't heard of that one, it's not one worth talking about. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, Bad Boy Bubby. Just look it up. It's extreme. Um, so I'd is, love it kinda, to get... is it kind of like Old Boy? No, it's about... It's about a, a man child that's been raised by his abusive mother in one room for his entire life. And when he kills her accidentally, he has to venture out into the real world on his own, but he doesn't know what the real world is. He thinks it's poisonous and he's got no moral code, he's got no limits on what he does. It's yeah, it's very I am intrigued by this movie. Yeah, if, the, if you can make it past the first twenty minutes, then you're in for a treat. Because yeah, the first I, 20 minutes is where most people walk out or turn it off. Huh. Well, a lot of incest, a lot of um, animal torture. Is it real animal torture? Here's a good story for you. Um, it's the director's a really prolific filmmaker down here. He doesn't do all extreme films. He does a lot of indigenous films and um, historical films. But for that one film, there's a scene where Bubby, the character Bubby has to wrap a cat in cellophane because he thinks it's like a toy. He doesn't understand the concept of breathing. So he suffocates the cat. But for the film, they asked the RSPCA, can we have one of your cats for a morning to shoot this scene and we'll give it back? And they were fine with that. They had animal you know, welfare on, on the set, shot their scenes, it was all good. And then the agreement was a week later when they have to shoot scenes with a dead cat, they would provide a euthanized cat that they could use. Turns out the euthanized cat that they gave them was the one they used the week before. So I guess Ugh. continuity was good. Oh, no. Ugh. I, I just I didn't want a cannibal holocaust situation. No, none of that. Because of I, that. It's, it's one of those movies that's probably important, but I never have, I can't, I won't watch, I don't need that shit in my head. I won't well, ever watch it again. Cannibal Holocaust, the DVD offers the, um, the safe version without the torture. I know, I know, and I, I met the director. Is it Rogerio? The, the, the I can't say it correctly. That's how I say it. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough. I met him. He is one. But of you the, have the cool accent, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, our accents cool down now. Nowhere. No, it's now, not. Nowhere, no. nowhere in the world. <laughs> I met him at a weekend. Uh, Fango Fangoria used to do weekend of horrors convention. Actually, I saw Tony Tempone, who's the old editor. They're going to be doing those again with Creation, only they don't have the Fango name on them anymore. It's just going to be weekend of horrors with Creation. <clears throat> and I, uh, I met him there, and he was one of the nicest, sweetest individuals I've ever came across. And he looks like someone's grandpa. But I just. It's one of those movies that is very important that I can't recommend okay. people. Yeah. No, I, I, the, the, that, that movie sounds interesting because as you were talking about the, the plot uh, and the child being locked away, it reminded me of a, a novel which has a different ending, I'm sure. But uh, The True Tale of the Monster Billy Dean, which is a, a novel about a child that is after World War II and his parents lock him away because, and then he's raised thinking that he's going to somehow save the world, but he's never allowed out of his room. And then his parents, spoiler, things happen and he has to go out into the world. Well, that but sounds it, like Blast from the Past with Brendan Fraser. Oh, Glenn, you took my damn joke, you jerk. It, <laughs> well, the problem is, like, I was like, I was a beat away from doing it. 
the, well, the title is uh, separate from Blast from the Past. There's a reason that he thinks he's a monster when he goes out in the world because he realizes he's not going to be the Messiah. So it's a little darker of a novel. But anyway, yeah, it's not doesn't sound as dark as that movie ends up though because there's no. Uh, Here's a question for you. Best line from Blast from the Past. Could you get away with that today? Where he walks out onto the street and says, oh, my lucky stars, a Negro. No. <laughs> I don't know. Because the question is, <clears throat> can you make Blazing Saddles today? People say no. But Borat, I don't know that we can make Borat now. And Borat is, uh, what, 10, 15 years old? It's not even that old. There was a... Uh, there was a, a great commentary about... Uh, or Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder's okay. another one. I don't know that we could have Tropic Thunder now. You know, it, it, and that's I, a big-budget Hollywood film. I follow a couple people on Twitter, and speaking of people I'd love to interview, John Cleese is one of the people I follow, and he recently was going back and forth with someone, not defending J.K. Rowling. He actually said, well, somebody explain to me what J.K. Rowling said that was completely wrong hmm. and how she could make it right. And somebody posted something back and he said, so are you saying that uh, his comment was something like, are you saying it's okay to make Jewish jokes if you're a Jewish comedian and it's cut off to everybody else. And then somebody came back and went, that's absolutely what we're saying. And he was like, that seems problematic too. And, hmm. and I, I don't know the answer to that, but I find it really interesting to see John Cleese going back and forth. And I think he has a history of, of raising his voice when these things come up. He does. Um, and, He's in the news at the moment because they, they removed that episode of Faulty Towers. And what did they just do? Well, they reinstated it. Yeah, because of John Cleese. <laughs> because of John Cleese, that's right. Yeah. Um, he's always very articulate. And I mean, that's what Monty Python were. They were pushing that envelope, but they always had the context and the answer for why they do it. Yeah. I think what's really interesting was somebody posted about, you know, Gone with the Wind has taken off a streaming service here in America. Yeah. But the same week, and this is true. I think it's Netflix. You can watch or Amazon Prime or the other. The same week they posted the the eight, the comedy. I think from nineteen eighty six. Joe, you have to correct me. Soul Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'd probably be eighty five, eighty six. Yeah. And and we they were like so. And, and well, I think that's one of the big challenges I have as a. I, I'm a quote unquote educational historian. I teach the history of education, but I do wonder sometimes, like. Disney in America has banned we'll never see Song of the South officially released and things yeah. like that. And I see that as, yes, that's a problematic film, but the historian in me goes, uh, James Baskett, who played um, Uncle Remus. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Uncle Remus. Thank you, Uncle Remus. Um, it was a big deal that they actually cast, quite frankly, an African-American man. that He couldn't even attend the premiere, but they still managed to... So it's... Yeah. If you, I, it's a complicated thing, so I, I just wonder: do you do you see that as somebody that's not in America right now? What is your thoughts on? Well, we've got to be careful talking about it here too, because whatever culture you guys sort of you know manifest over there does affect us, because we then get certain elements of our society that try to piggyback off it. Mm -hmm. um, we are so sorry. <laughs> But look, the way I look at it, like, and I've spoken about this on my show and I've gotten criticism for it. Um, I mean, these things are timepieces. They're timestamps. They are of their era. They represent attitudes of the time. So we should leave them in place and just learn from them. Like, it shows us how far we've come. It doesn't show anything else as far as I'm concerned. Like, people are not going to watch Gone with the Wind and think anything less of it 
because the only kind of people that would be watching it are people that are interested in good films. So they've got the capacity to process the attitudes of the time, you know? Just, you don't erase it, you just move on from it. I agree. The only thing I would add on to that that I'm okay with is the is a disclaimer at the front or a disclaimer at the end or a talk. Yeah. Whoopi Goldberg, Goldberg, this is what this is at this time. Please keep this in mind before you watch it. And if that's what they have to do to keep the film there, then I understand that. But if, if, I mean, what kind of uneducated, dumbass generation are we that we need that, that we can't contextualize on our own? There's a a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And And they're vocal. Yeah, that's the problem, the vocal minority. But if you're going to... Um, if you're going to cancel Gone with the Wind, you may as well cancel the first ever African-American Oscar. Like, that's yep. significant. Yep. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And yep. it's, what, 80-something years old? Like, get fucked. It was 1939, which is considered yep. the Hollywood's greatest year, 1939. Yeah, it pushed envelopes. It was the first curse word in cinema. Yep. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a shit. What? Did I get that wrong? <laughs> <laughs> that was... That- Joe's, wor- Joe's parents were worried about him picking up language. So they had one dubbed specially for him. So I, I want to point out how... Com- go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Here's to consider. So we're cancelling films like Gone with the Wind, uh, things that just have so much relevance in cinematic history, but films like 48 Hours with Eddie Murphy, which perpetuates a certain stereotype, you know, that's not a problem, you know, just because it's Eddie Murphy, you know, we get it. So I just think there's this, the slope is too slippery to just pick and choose which ones we cancel. Just leave them all in place. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Move on and make progressive films. Yeah. Make your own damn movie. Yeah. With your own damn voice about your own damn experience. Don't you love it when they cancelled James Garn but didn't go further back to see his Stephen Hawkins impersonation in Toxic Avenger 4? (laughs) Chad? (laughs) Chad here is the Toxic Avenger fan. My I'm, email a Lloyd, I'm a Lloyd Kaufman fan, plain and simple. Your email what? My old email address was Toximite. I'm, I'm <laughs> big into it. I'm big have, into it. Have you ever met Lloyd? Uh, no, but he did. Um, he's done. Oh, I missed an opportunity. He came down here for Monster Fest, which is our big horror thing in Melbourne. Um, and the guys that I run my website with were the ones that hosted him and drove him everywhere and, and shot videos with him. And I was not available on the day to do that. Um, but he has recorded a few things for Fake Shemp. Yeah, I used to run a trauma series of screenings here in Melbourne, and for six months we just screened double features of trauma films for free to anyone that wants to come along. I was going to say uh, about four hours before the wedding, uh, where I married my beautiful wife, I watched Sergeant Kabuki Man in YPD. <laughs> in my apartment. In his apartment. Yeah, that's that's a true story. Yeah, we'd been drinking the night before, but. Yeah, he's a, he's actually a very nice guy, and he he's yeah. one of those people. Him and Mick Garris, who signed for free. I mean, yeah. I don't. I, I try not. I'm with you. I'm once you get to a certain thing, I don't want to ever pay anybody for an autograph. Any, there are certain people I probably would pay now, but they're very few and far between. Yeah. All right. I guess we need to start wrapping it up. I do want to I, point out how our conversations go full circle. So, uh, uh, Glenn stole my blast from the past joke. Uh, the the guy who directed and wrote Blast from the Past uh, actually wrote uh, my heart my favorite Harlan Williams film uh, Down Periscope, full circle. Down Boom. Periscope with Kelsey Grammer. I love yep. that movie. Is Lauren Holly in that? Yep. Yep. 
good job, sir. <laughs> I am impressed. So, I, I man, I had some other questions that I wanted to ask you, but I, we're probably running a little long. I do want to talk to you. Well, what other things? You got one book. You're writing another book. Can you talk about that? Well, the other book is called um, I Love That Movie, It Sucks, which is a, a book of reviews of really, really terrible films that I do love, and I write positive reviews for them. So Caddyshack 2 will be the cover art, and um, Heretic will be in there, and I just celebrate trashy cinema. I just, the Exorcist 2. Now, Grease 2, I, I'll tell you why I love <laughs> Grease 2. Full circle. My mom had a... Had Hold a on, I'm, let, let me mute my microphone real quick. My mom had a crush on the lead actor. So she watched it all, all the time when I was a kid. So I can actually sing almost every song from Grease 2 still, like a cool rider. I can just do it. That stupid dance that she does? Yep. 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 I mean, don't um, get me wrong. I don't put Grease 2 in, but I probably know the songs to Grease 2 more than I do Grease. Hey, did you know that Disney's High School Musical was originally Grease 3? I did not know that. No. That's the origins for that film were Grease 3. Yikes. Yeah. I still haven't That's, seen three Grease 3 or High School Musical. I, I now have because I have children and my daughter is really into musicals. And she performs locally in theater musicals. And Joe, let me tell you, uh, don't rush. There's no rush. You can kiss that whatever you want. You can, I mean, don't get me wrong. Say what you will. Zac Efron, dreamy, whatever. Uh, but <laughs> you should watch Teen Beach Movie instead. <laughs> uh, funny story. My wife has watched that with them, and I drew the line. There was like, no, it turns out unless Frankie and Annette are coming back, I'm good. But you I'm do good. have Barry Boswick, and that's okay. Who is another guy who's a total minch, who is a total wonderful, nice that was one person. Of, one of the best interviews I got to do, and he actually, he thanked me afterwards because he was selling underwear, signed underwear. And at the end of the interview, I said, listen, I work for a university. He said he had two kids in college at the time. I said, buy this man's underwear. College is expensive. And later on, I saw him on the floor and he was like, thank you for saying that. You're the only interview I've ever had where they were like, no, no, really, buy his stuff. College is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great guy before we go two things one julian sands was another person who was amazing and did a soliloquy for us mm -hmm. in the middle of the panel right and yep. it was beautiful but number two why hell on earth why hellraiser three well because both of those are anthony hickox films oh yeah yeah and they're both the same poster if you look at the, the template, they really are I yeah. never thought about it till. Yep. I love Anthony Hickox. He would be one I'd love to get on the show. I, I should reach out to him. Oh yeah. Why haven't you done that before? He's on Facebook. I should. Yes, you should. We should have him on. Hold on. Let's race. The <laughs> quick, quick. Now, now do it. Do it. No, no, no. You go, you go ahead. We've you all go. proven Glenn's faster because of that blast from the past joke. That's true. <laughs> You're really dirty. You feel on that one. <laughs> speaking of blast from the past thank you so much for coming on uh so go to fake shimp uh click on his ads we're we were talking about you before we started. okay you said ads you said ads ads, ads, ads. No, i thought you said click ads. on his ass i'm like ass i could hit on his ass click on, to the bottom on. And click on the ass yeah yeah <laughs> but we're really envious of one thing you have that we don't sponsors <laughs> well 
uh, my latest podcast doesn't have any at the moment because of this pandemic. We yeah. have never had any at all. We're not, I don't even know that we know about the way to do it. I think we're just idiots, idiots. The good you thing is, is that, is that we don't need the, need the money, but it would be nice every once in a while to pay for a few things. Well, I mean, it takes, you've got to cast your line about a hundred times before you catch a fish. So it's all about just hitting everyone up at the same time and thinking outside the box. Like I'm trying to approach breweries and getting like beer companies to sponsor and things like that. Localize it a little bit. Oh, that's not a bad idea. There's a ton of microbreweries over there, right? Oh, oh yeah. Can you imagine? I, I'm not much of a drinker, but if we got sponsored by bourbon, I could learn. Yeah, we could learn. I don't know why we have it. I never even thought of it. I think I don't. I think we are here for the content, and what we really need is a strong producer, someone who just sits back here and just pets our heads and says, "Go do your thing," and I'll handle the actual business side of it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I've got one more plug. Yes, um, please. I can't, I can't go into too much detail, but I do have a collaboration with Scarefest coming up very soon. Why can't you go into detail? Because they haven't announced it yet. The so we won't tell anybody. Nobody's listening. <laughs> I know. I know some people. I've been. Well, look, uh, I've been drunk be, with the owner. It may be weekly. Good. Oh. Good. Yeah. Are you going to be at Scarefest this year? Well, not this year. Um, hopefully next year. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, I actually am curious to see if it comes off this year myself. So we'll 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 look. Hopefully next year. Hopefully there's a vaccine for all this or something's fixed by then. Well, I think what I'm doing with them is to just, if it doesn't go ahead, it's at least bolstering the social media presence to sort of build the community up so that if, if you know, heaven forbid it doesn't go ahead, at least they can rally together and have something in the meantime. Yeah. 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 It's a well, platform to be on. I look forward to the day we actually get to meet you and sir uh, in person. I don't know if you drink or if you like to drink, but if you do, may I introduce you to some fine bourbons when you finally get here? You may. Absolutely. Well, Glenn, thank you so much. Please go over to Fake Shimp and visit us. Uh, we've had an absolute blast. This has been a pleasure. This has been Bonehead. And uh, check out Good Movie Monday. Good Movie Monday. Also check out Scarefest Television, okay? See you guys. All right. Yeah, thank you.